We are live and in color on location at the tailgate here in downtown Athens at the old Harry Bissett's. 279 East Broad, I do That's believe. That's exactly what it is. There you go. A lot, a lot of memories and some lost memories in, in here, too, from the old days at Bissett's. We want to thank uh, Chantel and David for taking care of us and the lovely Sakura with us here. I might have butchered how she pronounced it. No, you that, did she's, good. You she's did been good. A, a wonderful hostess for us here. And there is so much memorabilia, and we're going to tell you about it here at the tailgate and talk a lot of Georgia-Texas A&M a game with tremendous anticipation. Uh, I was in touch with, with the Aggies radio man over the weekend, and they are bringing so many fans here. It's, it's the first time we played, which is crazy. They've been in the SEC since 2012, first time we played each other with A&M as a member of the SEC, and their first trip here since the home opener, game number two, September the 13th yeah, of 1980. Well. And you're looking at an A&M team that has played arguably the toughest schedule in the country. They're, they're seven and three. They've lost to Clemson, Bama, and Auburn. They got us and then LSU next week. So they they are really coming in here. Uh, and, and they know if they get a couple of wins these next two weeks, they might can play themselves into a major bowl. But we're really excited to be here at the tailgate. I, my, my head is spinning with the Georgia memorabilia. It's unbelievable. It, it, it is a throwback uh, in time to uh, when Georgia was just beginning. I mean, look at this Coke machine over here. That Coke machine has to be 70 years old, I bet. So, there is a newspaper from the 1929 win over Alabama. Yeah, they've done an unbelievable job with this place. you got Herschel Walker's jersey up there. We've got uh, Herschel and Jimmy Payne over here. Wally Butts. Wally Butts up there. The 1980 there. team. You've got the, the gymnastics and tennis national championship banners hanging up here. It really is. There, there's Larry Munson. How you say? The mighty Munson. How you doing, Munson? I love and it. If, if you love Georgia, this is – the absolute place to be, uh, the, the nostalgia and the, the memories in here. It's getting me a little bit weepy. So with that, well, yeah, yeah, we are going to rock and roll into Episode 10, uh, Season 2. I'm looking the, forward to it. It's gonna, it's awesome to be here. I, you know, I've got one of the shirts on. It's awesome. And I wore one for uh, when I got into the Circle of Honor. I wore one of their retro things. I've gotten more compliments on those two sweatshirts. So we're excited to be here, and uh, it's a big week. It's it going to really be a good is. week for you to come here. Make sure you're wearing some good Georgia gab for the Texas A&M game. So the Aggies here. So here we go. The freight train that is foot and mouth rolling right along. All right, real quick, I want to tell you about tailgate. Coach Dooley will be here signing from 10.30 until 12.30 on game day on Saturday. They open at 8 a.m. on game days, 10 o'clock Monday through Friday and Sunday at noon. So you can slide in the day after the game as well, hopefully celebrating another Georgia victory. As Absolutely. I mentioned earlier, Kevin, you know I like going back in time. Uh, these two last met in Athens on September the 13th. 1980. It was a week after Georgia won at Tennessee, famously 16-15. Yeah. Uh, Georgia had a freshman tailback named Herschel Walker making his home debut. Uh, A&M actually had, a, I mentioned this to you at the Bulldog Brunch from the Hilltop, 
on Sunday. They had a great bag played many years with the New York Jets. Johnny Hector, who I'm sure you remember, he played against him. Well, I mean, we, we scheduled tough teams back then. You know, a lot of people do it now. But even that, you know, we always played Clemson. So if you throw Clemson in there, you get Texas A&M, you play TCU. Yeah. I was here BYU. Sure. I was here Cal. There were no I mean, easy games No, back there then. really wasn't. And, and you didn't really know what you were getting because these teams came from so far away that you heard a little bit about them. You'd see a scouting report, but you weren't in tune with them like their fan base was. When Cal came here in 1976, a really good story. They had a – what a great story Joe Roth was. I remember Johnny Henderson, who was a great player here at Georgia, telling me that they had Wesley Walker. Everybody in the south was running the veer of the wishbone. And he said, mm-hmm. we had never seen a receiver that fast who could run routes like that. And just so yeah. – so. And, and I remember BYU coming in here, and you, you think about that from the, the 82 Sugar Bowl against Marino. We opened in 82 against Clemson, the defending champs, and then we play Steve Young the next game. I mean, holy smokes. Well, if we weren't on TV, uh, we weren't on TV as much then, but if we could have been, those games would have been marquee games because you're, you know, always matching up a a little guy by the name of Herschel Walker from the Georgia side. So that was the sell on our side. And anytime you could match up another huge start that time, it was pretty cool. The Clemson games were unbelievable. All right, we're going back in time. Let's go back. Okay. September the 13th, 1980, Georgia beats Texas A&M 42 nothing. We're going to talk music and movies here, and we're going to test your singing voice here. Let me hear it. Okay, the, the number three song for that week, Lady by Kenny Rogers. Lady, put, let me put my arms around you. No? Maybe. That's very good. Is that good? Very let me put good. my arms around you. Yeah. You're my lady. You're my you lady. Very nicely done. Number two. And he lived here in Athens then. You got that right. Kenny Rogers. I like that. Number two. What was two? Uh, big, big fans. And uh, David Dukes is the biggest Queen fan I know. Not talking about Lon Buckler, but the band. Yeah. We love Queen Buckler, too. Let me hear it. Another one bites the dust. Another one bites the dust. Which, by the way, when, when the Redcoats, 81 and 82, they'd start playing that after another victory. I thought that was pretty awesome. What was key to that in 1979, December 7th, 1979, the Redan Raiders played that over at Marist High School when we won the AAA state championship in the state of Georgia at Marist High School, December 7th, mm-hmm. which will be the date that Georgia plays LSU for the SEC championship, 40 some years 40 later. years before that. So I'll bring that up several times. And Marist star player was, of course, none other than Paul Messer. Yes, Paul was on that team, <laughs> which brings a whole new, whole new thing to that game now. And – Number one, we got to hear your Diana Ross, your little Upside Down by Diana Ross. Upside Down. Boy, you turned me. Inside out. Round and round. Upside down. That's great stuff there. All right, now movies. What? 1980 was a a phenomenal year for movies. Yeah. I'm going to say that the two best for last. But here here are three. I'll tell you one of them just offhand, I know for sure. Yeah, well, here are three of the, of the top five to start with. Uh, fantastic comedy, 9 to 5, with my man Dabney Coleman. 9 to 5. Great Working comedic villain. 9 to 5. Yeah. That was Dolly. But She's that still song singing. That would also get up into the top ten. A uh, little Stir Crazy with Richard Pryor and Gene good Wilder. Good Very stuff. Good one. Airplane. One of the best of all times. <laughs> one of the best of all times. And then two of the best of all times, Caddyshack. That was 1980? Early. It feels more like a 70s movie, but its release date was 80. And, of course, The Empire Strikes Back. Was it the Blues Brothers that year, too? These uh, Blues Brothers, yeah, it must have been 79, 80. But these are the five 
that I Those wrote classic down movies. from September 13th, 1980. And what I remember so much about The Empire Strikes Back, that was the first time I'd ever gone to a movie where there wasn't a happy ending. I remember when it was ending, I was there with my dad. I'm like, wait a minute. Hans frozen Everything in carbonite. Everything a happy ending. Luke got his hand cut off. How is this thing ending here? So you talk about anticipation for Return of the Jedi. That was something. So uh, going back to September the 13th, 1980. A lot of good stuff there. Did you make it to that game? No, no, no. The, no, because the first game was the Clemson game of the following year. That was uh, 81. Started me off with a devastating loss. And then my first game between the hedges was the 82 BYU game. My parents went to Georgia, Florida, Beluda, Scott, in 80. That was a quote-unquote adults trip. Did you stay at home? <laughs> well, you weren't old enough to have a party like I did. I was. I sent my parents to that one because I, I was being recruited. And at that time, they could offer you two tickets to go down. Sure. Well, they offered me two tickets, and I went, Mom, Dad, y'all want to go to the Florida go, game? Clean it and up. then Kevin had a party. Had a party. At South Hope Springs. He was a playmaker. I was watching that with my grandparents in Savannah. Uh, I made a big drawing in red and black. I drew the field and everything. It was just in tears, and then uh, those tears uh, quickly turned to joy, and we all know what happened there. <laughs> As we are broadcasting from the tailgate here, downtown Athens, the old So you know what else business. was big in the eight, in 1980? You know what? Clothes were – it was neon colors. Mm. And that was when shoulder pads were in. Even guys would wear shoulder pads in their, in their little uh, – maybe a leather outfit. You don't quite remember that because you weren't old enough to be spanking around some leather at that point. No, I just wore jeans and a Georgia T-shirt every that day. That was it. Did you have sleeves or on them? Or shorts and a Georgia T-shirt. But of was course. It, was it no-sleeve T-shirt? No, I wasn't going to that. Remember how Jose Cruz for the Astros, he would cut his sleeves oh, up yeah, the side absolutely. a little bit? Yeah, no, I was always a sleeves guy. I don't think I ever owned a tank top, you know, unless I was playing basketball, but – I think tank tops. Yeah, tank tops. For, they never came fans. to me and said, "Kevin, we're gonna we're gonna design this shirt that thinks I think it's gonna show your best qualities." I think it'll be good stuff. And then I'd walk out in a tank top. No, that would not show my. That'd best be qualities. a hot look there. But yeah, neon was was so big back then, as was big hair, and that also big includes uh, Olivia Newton John's "Let's Get Physical," which was two years later. And you're actually in that video. Well, there were certain things I was, but there were certain things about hairstyles back then. You had the side ponytail became famous in the '80s. Yes, side ponytail like you were like you were a, a, a horse that. It didn't come out right, and you had a ponytail coming out the side of your head. The other thing was teasing and curls and crimped. You remember crimped hair? You know sure. what that is? Listen, I The other I one in, who man. I was really a fan of and I partook in was the, the middle split with the wing Of tipped. course. That's what your All-American photo is. Well, then I incorporated a little bit of the um, – what would you call it? The mullet. Mullet. That's <laughs> it's hard for me to say that. But, yes, I sported the mullet. But the part down the middle with the wings, uh, a.k.a. Farrah Fawcett, for a guy, mm -hmm. I, I sported that for a long time. Still got nice hair, but I really had some, some fabulous hair back in the day. I really think when you talk about you know just kind of the, the all-American couples, and it was so great to visit with Knox and Mandy Culpepper a few weeks ago, and you know, of course you and Kathy, the, the football star, Mary and the cheerleader, the American dream there. The hair that the you and American Kathy dream. that you and Kathy were sporting back in the eighties. It might have been the best hair combination in the country. Hey, let me tell you what. I could pull out a couple of photos in our early days of marriage when I was uh, the Chicago Bears and you know the helmet. I had hair coming out from under the helmet. Sure. And we did a couple of fashion shows once, and 
I'm telling you, it, my hair might have been as big as hers, and she had to work at it. I didn't have to work at it. I just had to shake my head when I get out of the shower like a dog. And it would roll on down there. It would. All right, we got some questions coming here. Let me hear it. Ready? Yeah. Jim tweets in, in honor of Kirby's awesome chest bump celebration with Trayvon Walker, yeah. what is your favorite UGA celebration? And Why well, they get summed it up in the new T-shirt that's out? HPTFD. <laughs> HPTFD. Damn right. I'll tell you, your soccer. That was a great celebration. Your, your soccer slide against Clemson was something. I've got to go with Scott Werner's dice roll against Clemson in 80. I like that That was pretty too, cool. Because he did a lot more than I did to celebrate. But I did like my uh, my, my slide. I the mean, soccer slide Not was too good. many people have done that. Or, or, you know, I didn't even think about it. I was so excited. I had to face Coach Dooley when I came back to the sideline. I had to kick off from the Yeah, we got a penalty. five. Yeah. That almost cost us a game. I'm well aware. Selfish move, wasn't it? Well, thank God we won. Son of a uh, bitch. What are your top celebration fails in the wider world of college football? And I'll give you a good one. He brings this one up. Kentucky had doused Guy Mars with a Gatorade for the Bluegrass Miracle and when LSU yep, beat him. Yep. That was bad. Uh, last year in you basketball – when when Virginia won in the semifinals against Auburn, I mean, it looked like Auburn had the game that was the late foul in basket. They had already started rolling Toomer's corner. <laughs> the early call. I remember that one. You were getting a little bit cocky on Saturday too. Right? You got you got to wait until the you got to wait until the the clocks are at zero. No, 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 not against yes. Auburn. You just want to beat them, and then you want to talk about it for the last minute, right to the face. You want to say, "Hey, look me in the eye. You're losing." <laughs> You're losing everything. Your coach. J.R. Radford. You ready for this one? Let me hear it. Strongest guy on the 85 Bears. I'm going to guess. Can I guess? Yeah. McMichael. Yep. Okay. Mongo. Mongo used to do a close grip 500 bench press. So bench press, but he would hover it to where his thumbs touched. Oh, my God. And he'd bring it down and bounce it off his chest. And, I, you know, the coach would get mad at him. Uh, Clyde. Um, uh, just our, Clyde's our, our good. Our street coach, Clyde, would come in there. Clyde Emmerich, who was in the Olympics, uh, was weightlifter in the Olympics, would come in there and, well, Steve, why why do you do that? And Steve goes, that's where my force has to be. i got to be inside the shoulder pads. Inside he goes, if I'm, if I'm out here, wide grip, that means I'm trying to get off the ground. And when you said that, Aubrey Polk, who is our great engineer here, Kevin's about to make him do 50 diamond push-ups right <laughs> yeah. now. Let's see what you got there. That would uh, hurt. I always love this. You know, we, yeah, we, we try to stay away from politics. But James tweet said, KB, did Dan Mullen kill Jeffrey Epstein in an attempt to cover up recruiting violations on the part of the Gator football program? No, he didn't. But he went in and started talking to Epstein. And Epstein, that's when he hung himself. Jack's dog wants to know, was Kevin the last Bears kicker to make a field call? <laughs> Eddie Dinero Pinero has just had a tough Eddie night. Eddie Pinata. Yeah, he's about to turn into a pinata. Bleep there. you, Cody Parkey. Bleep you. you. Oh, I'm telling you what, that poor guy that, that did that rant on Cody, I would have hated to seen him the other night. I can't believe we haven't seen him on social media. Tough night, he might Mr. Got, 47, he might got, Mr. 48. He might have gotten banned from social media there. Can you get banned from social oh, media? Oh, I think you can. Yeah, you got Aubrey knows all about this. He's gotten several cease and desist there. Good man, well, here, Aubrey. Here's a, you know, well, before, before we get into our dog talk, I, I've got to ask you a question, and, and we've got to address this. The, the Colin Kaepernick situation that happened in Atlanta this weekend. Again, it goes back to Atlanta 
is getting a, a bad sporting event happening to Atlanta. Why does it always happen to Atlanta? Oh, I don't know. Well, I, two, well, three of the worst of my life happened in Atlanta. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. And yet another blemish on just the NFL and the way things are playing out. Here's my take on it. And I'm going to give it to you because I know you didn't ask for it, but I'm going to give it to you anyway. Colin Kaepernick was 3-16 and 16 his last 19 games as a starter in the NFL. He lost his position. He got it back and continued to lose. He turned down an extension when competition was brought in. So he turned down quite a bit of money to become a free agent, which he did. And the cards have been dealt. Now he's been out of the league for three years, and that's the biggest insult that I think all NFL players should take from this. Because if you're an NFL player – you know if you sit out of this league for three years, oh, yeah, you, you can't it. jump back in it. I don't care what workouts you do. I don't care who he has filming. It could be the NFL. It could be – if it's not Walt Disney and Pixar changing what really happens on that film and making it look better than it is, he's not going to get that opportunity. And I think the shenanigans he played this past weekend have put a nail in the coffin of that opportunity. Well, it's interesting. Stephen A. Smith even said it seems like he wants to be a martyr, not a football player. Well, hey, hey, good, and, and, you yeah. know, and there's so many good things that he can come out of that if he ch- chooses that route. But that don't try to choose it out of, you know, trying to bully the bully. And that's what he was doing yesterday, the day before, by saying, you know, here's the truth. This is what's going on. You see it. I see it. What I'm going to see, no matter what I – anybody that films it, is a guy that the NFL has passed him and something bigger is calling him and he needs to leave that chapter and go on to the next bigger and better thing. Yeah, it's it's one of those deals kind of like when I got the – uh, the, the baseball steroids fatigue. I really don't care and don't pay attention anymore I, with him. You know, if they want to do steroids, and it, I'd much rather go see a lot of home runs, man. They can hit it out of the ballpark. It doesn't matter to me. I've been in a sport where guys did steroids. I've seen guys do steroids. That's their choice. If that's your choice to do it, um, you're going to unfortunately – Suffer the consequences. No, but what I'm saying is with the, with the Kaepernick deal, I just I don't even pay attention anymore. It's just like you know when when the 80th it's just guy like the in major league Kaepernick steroids. We could go down the line. I agree with you 100. When the 80th guy, well, this guy did steroids in 1995. I'm like, who cares? You just you just get numb to everything. Well, I'm and so I'm, glad to find out they did steroids because I was eating so many Cheerios because I saw them. <laughs> they do the thing. I eat Cheerios in the morning. Goes you. He grew by 210 pounds last year. I look year. like Barry Bonds, his, his hat size expanded. His head, it shrunk, too, since he's retired. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You get, get out that HGH. They say that's the really good stuff. HGH? Oh, yeah. Is, can you buy that at that um, store? Know. Aubrey gets all our illegal stuff. You know that. What does that do for you, Aubrey? In the butt? Aubrey, right in the butt. That's what Jose Canseco said. Yeah. He just shoot it up there right in the butt when he was taking well. the juice. So, that's uh, – I, I like it. What do you get out there? We always ask you to, to, to clean out your your NFL notebook there. So, let's, uh, let, let's turn to the dogs and Aggies and uh, what this Georgia team has done to win four straight games. Uh, the defense and kicking game has been – exceptional uh, the offense has certainly had its moments and you know as bad as the the offense was in the fourth quarter this past week you look at the, the final numbers Jake Fromm three touchdowns no interceptions DeAndre Swift goes over 100 yards thought the offensive line did, did a great job protecting Jake against one of the best defensive lines Dominic Blaylock has scored a touchdown against both Florida and Auburn 
Uh, George Pickens appears to be coming on. Uh, Lawrence Cager, hopefully he can go on Saturday. It's a big difference when the cage man is not out there. This is not going to be a great, dominant, overwhelming offense, but it is one that can get better. It's one that's going to have to get better. And, KB, uh, my take on this coming week, A&M, they played great against South Carolina Saturday night. Uh, I was talking with Coach Donnan earlier on Monday, and he, he firmly believes that Kellen Mond will be the best quarterback that Georgia's faced since Tua in the SEC championship game. Uh, they've got great receivers led by Kendrick Rogers. What's really scary when you look at the development is they've won four in a row under Jimbo Fisher's watch here. They held South Carolina out of the end zone, and they ran for over 300 yards. So Georgia's defense, it's as good as anybody's. And I think the defense is going to play well again. But this team is so talented. They are going to move the ball. They are going to score some. Georgia's been leaning so heavily on the defense. In my opinion, KB, I think this is the day, Saturday afternoon, where the offense, they're going to have to carry the load at some point. And yeah, I think Saturday's the day. Up. Yeah, I agree with you. I think that time has come. I think you're playing a team now, and you know you don't have to go out on a, on a limb too far to say this is the best quarterback we'll face just because we've been facing a lot of second-team quarterbacks this year. Just the way the dice have been rolled and how these teams have come out of games prior, um, we really haven't seen a, I mean, a true starting quarterback since maybe – Notre Dame. Yeah, Ian Book, um, yeah. And, um, you know, so I don't think that intimidates this defense, and I don't think they prepare any different. I think this defense is a uh, a great group of, um, of players that really embodies the word team. Nobody stands out. Nobody's looking for uh, the accolades. Nobody's uh, wanting to be that guy that gets the, the, the press. I think they're really enjoying – talking about the defense and the and the overall team wins and how they have been carrying this team somewhat because of uh, what we've been doing on offense. But you still look back at our offense, we're still averaging points that we have the past two years. We're just doing it different, and we are a different team. We're not flashy like we were two years ago. We're not flashy like we were last year. We're missing that true burner on the, on the end. You know, Miko, uh, Terry – uh, those guys could go to another level with speed, and you got to respect that. We still don't have that person that people stand back on our defense and go, you know, we got to keep an eye on him. Maybe Blaylock's becoming that guy. If he can sneak in behind him, he's going to do it with a little bit of speed, but he's not, that's not his number one quality. Right. He's a great athlete. He can do so many things. So if we can find somebody to get a little bit more vertical in these next couple of games, you know, we have an opportunity. Um, to make a defense back off a little bit and respect what we can do downfield. Yeah, Aubrey just just posed a good question. How would you compare the, this defense to the last two now? And and one thing, there, there's not that Roquan out there. And I think, can you imagine Roquan but behind this defensive front? I mean, as great as he was, because you, you, I think the one thing with this defense, and we, we got a lot of good ones, and boy, Trayvon making that sack. I mean, we're seeing all these young guys playing, but. When it, when it is third and three, and you think about the plays that Roquan made in the Rose Bowl in the SEC yeah. championship, th- there, there's got to be that guy to come up and make the play. And, and th- there's obviously not a Roquan Smith out here, but this defense as a whole, there might not be a first-team All-SEC guy on this defense, well, but, but uh, yeah. it's clearly one of the best defenses in all of college well, football. T- Tay Crowder has certainly been one of those guys, and, and Monty Rice have been one of those guys. And they're, they're, they each have – you know, if we could combine them two, put them in a blender, we'd come a little bit closer to, yep. to Roquan. 
Um, Roquan is... He's a generational talent, yes. He is because of his speed. I mean, you, you know, we were watching last night. I watched him, the Bears playing last night on Sunday Night Football. He he not only chases a, a, a receiver under the middle, but beats the receiver to the pass and intercepts a pass at an underneath linebacker. That's unheard of, and it was only because of his speed. Well, and his instincts, too. He, he was like Jake Fromm on defense. No, I mean, no doubt. The guy's no doubt. A, He's a student of the game. Yes. No, no doubt about that. He's but a, I think that, you know, we always get used to making sure that Roquan made that play. Roquan made that play. Did you see those three plays Roquan made last night? Did you see those four plays made? Now we're saying the defense is making plays, but one was by Tate. One was by um, – was, was it Aziz? Big, big was Jordan, it, yeah. yeah. I mean, all of them are making plays, and that's maybe the most unassuming best thing that's happened to this defense. We are playing – Almost two platoon football on defense, and you're seeing so many guys come in there, and we're seeing different guy make a play, different guy make a play, different guy make a play, and it almost puts you at lull because we don't have that superstar. And it was really neat to see it, but we're getting a lot of accolades uh, on defense right now. I mean, I, I want to go. I want to take it a step, talking about guys rising to the occasion, and, and I'm going to go long winded here. When we were coming up, you, you played 11 games. At the end, it was Florida, then Auburn, then Tech. And then you had the bowl game there. Well, now with the 12 games, if you make it to the SEC championship, you know, if, if you make a bowl game, that's 14. If you make your conference championship game and the national championship game, that's 15 games. So now that where, where's the Florida game, that was, was kind of the, the end of the season. Now that's basically the midpoint. So when I, I think when you looked at this November schedule, toughest in college football, toughest November schedule Georgia's ever had, uh, a big key for this season was going to be you know, kind of getting those those reinforcements, those fresh troops coming along. And I look at Blaylock and Pickens on offense, and then you look on defense, how many plays were there on Saturday when, if not all, but you would at least one or two of, of Walker, Dean, Smith, Stevenson, all four true freshmen, and the junior college transfer, Jermaine Johnson. So, uh, to me, if you're talking about making a run, and Georgia's made a run, you know, we'll, we'll see how everything plays out. But the dogs have put themselves in the position after the loss. And, and a big reason has been, you know, kind of to, to, to use the old, uh, uh, the, the, the old war term there, it, the, those fresh troops have had a huge impact. I, it's a huge impact, and, and, and you're right on there, Jeff, because the more you can play more guys, the fresher you're going to be later in the year. And you're looking at, you know, if you want to do what we hope we can do and get to the bottom, that's 15 games. Uh, NFL 16 games. That, that's a long it's time. A long it season. used to be the college player would really have to be careful that first year going in the NFL because it was almost two seasons after your four preseason, 16, 20. You might play 10 or 11 back in the day. If you did a – if you wild card to the Super Bowl, that's 20 games. You throw in preseason, that's 24. You get 11 plus one in a bowl, 12. You're exactly right. Yeah, it's, it's I mean, it's a long season. season. Yes. Now, the NFL does it for a living. They can put a lot more time into it. They can take care of themselves better. We've got student athletes now, and this is where it gets funky. They're in school. They got finals. You know, the, the, they their demand for time on the athletic side is starting to outweigh what they're really at school for, and that's an education. That's the fine line right there. So you're going to see a, a much fresher team from Georgia because of the numbers that we play. The only reason we're playing the numbers we're playing is because we're limited. We're limited by rules, taking 70 on the road. 
If he took 85 on the road, guess what? We'd have played at least seven or eight more guys. There's no doubt about it because those guys are coming for a reason. So um, I, I think it's, um, it's certainly going to play to Georgia's advantage. Um, you know, Texas A&M is getting much better when they're recruiting. They're getting that depth. They're getting that depth in the West that you have to have to compete with the LSUs, the Alabamas, the Auburns. But now Georgia right now is certainly the only one on the east side that has this kind of depth. And, you know, that should vogue well about our recruiting, but it also says what Kirby and this staff have been doing for the last three years. And I certainly want to congratulate Georgia on clinching the east. A lot of work to do, but Georgia, the first east team to go to three straight SEC championship games since Steve Spurrier's powerhouse Florida teams went to the first five. And now you're talking about coaches who've been to three in a row. Kirby's name is there with Steve Spurrier, with Nick Saban, with Gene Stallings. Pretty some, cool. Some, some really, really great That's pretty cool. There. You know, we came close to doing it back in the 80s, but, uh, you know, you, you look well, at we three, won three in a row. In a row. Well, yeah. No, y'all, I didn't. I wasn't on the third one. I was. I won two in a row. Well, I know that. But That's what I'm saying. Won. I'm saying from my experience, it's so hard to do that. Well, sure it Three is. in a row is just incredible. I'm so proud of these guys. And, and it takes a lot. It takes a lot from other teams, too, because you got to have some things flop and go. But, uh, you know, the best part about this is you get to come up here – the last home game of the season. Um, that's why we're here at uh, at Tailgate Athens right now. They open up at eight Broad Street. You want to come down? This is the last home game, so you got to do a little Thanksgiving shopping. You got to do a little Christmas shopping. You got to get ready for that SEC championship. And Tailgate uh, is going to be open at eight. Coach Dooley's going to be signing here from ten thirty. To twelve thirty, you can get. Did you see the David Green authentic, <laughs> official David Green shirt? Yeah, and, and Coach Dooley's going to have one of those. Going to have a limited edition black. shirt up Sweet. here from ten thirty to twelve thirty Saturday before the uh, Texas A and M game. We saw it. It's got Coach Dooley's name on the back. It's got all the awards that he's had. SEC limited only. It's going to yeah. be pretty cool. You can have him sign that. That's a keeper of a lifetime. So please come by and see the great folks here at Tailgate Athens because. You gotta, you gotta look good. If you want, we always used to say, if, if you look good, you feel good. Sure. If you feel good, you play good. If you play good, you win. So be a winner. Come in here and look good. Look good. 1959 SEC championship banner, 60 years you. ago. That's uh, they've you. got so, so much memorabilia in here. And and what I'm looking at now, that used to be the vault. This place way way back when. So tell us a little bit was about a bank. this. Let's go a little and history lesson. And then it became Harry Bissett's. Harry Bissett's. Which was one of the, the iconic uh, downtown Athens restaurants and taverns. The it was, iconic. Yes. It was opened by a gentleman named George Davis, and my good friend Jim White was a manager for many, many years, and he became the owner. And this was kind of, uh, for me, back uh, in, the, in the late 90s, into the OOs. Let's just say it was probably a little too much of a hangout down here. So this the, was the your odds, cheers? Was the, this your cheers? The odds of seeing me in here were were very good. Very good. Very good. So, so was, you said that you used to have a vault because this was a, was a bank, and you can see bank. the structure, obviously, very, very big yep. structure there. The, but the, you'd go down into the vault was – the managers or the owner's office? Yeah, that was that was Jim's office that was in there. That's and pretty cool. Then you got the bay window there. And yeah. Every now and then you would see, you know, maybe a 
people had had too much and they'd be making out with their date in the bay window. That was before cell phone cameras. So that was, that was a game changer. Was just, you burn it in your memory at that point. There was also a lady uh, coming downstairs one time who threatened to sue and she, she fell down the first thing of stairs, but uh, she had no case because she had had 11 tequila shots up top. So <laughs> and the, the, and the limit briefly, was what, 10? The cops briefly so upstairs said, uh, so, was, a, was a restaurant too? Ab- yeah, it was the restaurant part as well. Yeah, so there, there was seating downstairs and upstairs, but it was a, a really special place. I do and, remember it. And I would imagine a lot of our uh, faithful listeners had had many a good time here in good old Harry Bissett. So if you want to come up here, you come up here Saturday where you're looking around for some, some fabulous, I think that's still fabulous blood wear. on the floor. I'm just kidding. Yeah, just and, then, kidding. and then you can take pictures. Of it. I mean, just like I said, right over here near the Coke machine, there's probably so many stories behind that Coke machine. Well, there was – should I tell the one I told you earlier? I do want to hear this. This is a okay. great one. Okay. I'm not going to use any names here. But no, th- but you have to use names. They're all they're all. there was a guy. We'll call him Aubrey. Okay. So, <laughs> quote, unquote, Aubrey. Aubrey. Uh, apparently was uh, smoking some of the wacky tobacco yeah. in the bathroom here. In, in here. In here. Okay. In here. So, Jim, the owner, says – Just want to make it clear you can't smell it anymore. Said, no. Said, listen, Aubrey – you, get, you, you can't smoke that in here anymore. Oh, okay, 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 okay. Two nights later, Jim goes walking to his office, which was the vault. And Opens the door. Aubrey is in there. Big cloud of smoke hits. Wacky the back. He goes, what are you doing, Aubrey? I told you, you, you can't smoke. He goes, oh, I thought you just meant the bathroom. <laughs> That's a Spicoli. So then he was, oh, man. He was sent across the street. Because <laughs> it was one of those deals like, hey, he's going to smoke it. He's you yeah, can't just do it not in here, inside. Okay? Go outside and I smoke. I thought you just meant the bathroom, but that was what I guess legally he might have. Well, I mean, yeah, I just thought he meant the bathroom. Yeah, there. man, I, I didn't. I don't read those laws. I just try to follow them. So the the, the <laughs> Texas Aggies coming here, the Barood and White. I don't know. You, you mentioned recruiting here, and, and I want to throw some some big picture stuff at you. You ready? Yes, you sir. You really got to get the thinking cap pitch on. It, pitch it. Okay, and and why they're where they are, mm-hmm. and why Arkansas is where they are. Now, this is That's uh, a hard question. about 20 years or so ago. Uh, That's Garrett, like just saying to me, why Arkansas? Yeah, so I'm, I'm getting deep with you here. You ready for this? Yeah. Okay. So about 20 years ago, uh, Gary Blair, th- there are no earphones, so yeah. So you telling him to turn it up? No, I'm just saying is it, everything's still going. I'm, so, I'm sorry. Because it just went and it kind of, yeah. Well, yeah, no, we're good. You shouldn't hear anything in there. No, I, I, I've been hearing a little bit. That's why I'm saying it popped in my ear here. Oh, that's, that's coming off of that. All right, yeah, sorry. I'm sorry. He's, Aubrey's got it under control. He's smoking all that wacky tobacco there. Okay, the devil's lettuce. That's good. All right, so uh, <laughs> Co- Coach Gary Blair, Hall of Fame coach. He was Arkansas's women's coach at the time. Uh, coincidentally, he's now Texas A&M's women's coach. But uh, I was talking with him. He was a great guy. He and Coach Landers were big buddies. And we were just bringing up the move to the SEC because at that point they had been in eight, nine, ten years. He said, you know, the big thing that hit us, and, and the fans are loving it because they're getting teams like Georgia, Florida, and Alabama coming there as opposed to nothing against these schools, but as opposed to Baylor, SMU, and Rice. Sure, sure. But at the same time, he said, where this is really hurting us in every sport is when they were in the Southwest Conference, you had eight schools from Texas and Arkansas. They were playing basically all their road games in the state of Texas. Mm-hmm. That was an enormous recruiting pipeline. When they left, they lost that. And and I think Arkansas, now their baseball program's great. You know, basketball's a different animal. You only need five out there. But for football, 
I think just losing that Texas pipeline, and they, you know they they had the the run there with Darren McFadden. They they've been to Atlanta three times, but they, I mean, when's the next time you could envision them beating an Alabama and LSU or an Auburn? It just seems impossible. So I, I think that's where for Arkansas you got to say we got no hope. Now I want to flip this on you with Texas A and M. And I, I think they've always felt like they were in Texas's shadow, as I would imagine a lot of schools in that state do. Talking with, with, with some of the guys I've gotten to be friends with out there since they came in the league, they said their big twist on things was, okay, we can tell Texas kids you can stay home and you get to play in the SEC. So you're seeing A&M's recruiting in, in every sport, but particularly football, really get a bump because you can be in Texas and you can play in the SEC. So, you know, it's crazy. A&M and Arkansas, they always play a great game. But so Arkansas is kind of where they are at the bottom, you know, basically hopeless right now. And you got A&M, they're, they're, they're really building something. And that's where, I mean, you, you could just go back and look at the basis because in the end, what's it come down to, baby? It's about cruton. <laughs> it's about cruton. Ain't no doubt about it. You know, and if they lost that base in Texas, I say it's their fault. I mean, you've got to put those um, you know, th- those resources towards that. And, and you've got to step the game up. I see recruiting now. I saw it, you know, from two years ago just being inside the walls there at Georgia with Kirby and his staff. Wow. You talk about, wow, recruiting, that is what it's all about 24-7. And you've got to have that dedication from not only the head coach, not only the assistant coaches, but the association. And Arkansas has all the resources it needs to do this. They don't have the proper leader right now. And it starts probably in that athletic department. They need to bring somebody in. they got Jerry Jones. Money is not an issue. Need $21 million? He goes into the left front pocket. You need $42 million? I got to go to the, the right back pocket. I mean, that's chump change for alumni like that and for that area. So they have the resources. I think they need to get somebody to rally behind. And then you're exactly right. That rally is going to take three, four, four years, and you're going to have to be patient during those three to four years. We see it happening right. all around a, you, us. You understand college athletics fans, it's impossible to be patient. Well, right? I know it's impossible to be patient, but it's uh, you got you got that or you can keep going over. And just firing coaches. And, 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 and then it deteriorates the university. It, it really does have effects. We know what it has effects on the University of Georgia. When we start winning, the whole school gets to flourish. The whole town, the town – Places like this, this is what it's all about. If we were about. going four and eight, we would not be here at the tailgate. Well, and you wouldn't want to be in this kind of business. You, you, you'd want to be in remediation so you can go clean up the damn mess. What are you going to do, you know? I was thinking about the wolf today. The wolf, that's right. You want to be the wolf. And, you know, so it is unbelievable economically what winning does for you. So is it smart to put those resources towards it? Yes. Is it a battle sometime to get administrations to believe that, to get presidents of universities, to get, to get boards of universities to believe that, that have nothing but an educational background, which this is all built on, to convince them that a football program can have success and everybody can reap benefits from it is a very hard sell. And, you know, the best coaches do it. Saban – did the blueprint on it, the new blueprint. Well, and, and that's the thing. For a school like Georgia, for Florida, for LSU, we, we, we need to remember that recruiting base. Where we're located, even if you 
if you bottom out, you're never that far from the top because it's, you could get two classes with a talent in this state, with a talent in a state like Florida, talent in a state like Louisiana. You can get well quickly. Yeah. Not every school can – I mean, you're seeing it in Nebraska. How many players are in Nebraska you every could, year? How you, many guys are yeah. in Arkansas every year? So that's where, again, going back to for a school like that, not having that base. So whereas 30 years ago, if there's a really good player, he's choosing between Arkansas and Texas A&M, they're in the game. Mm-hmm. Now they got no shot. No, you just want to be, you know, that when the when a guy comes down, I'm giving you my top five schools. You, I, you know, I want to be on the list. You on just want list. to be in that. That's almost a slight – recruiting win to be on that final list mm-hmm. i mean you know you only can go to one school and sometimes that great player just doesn't work out so there's a big part of chance in this whole thing but to be in the mix like georgia has been recently like lsu like auburn like alabama like florida in this area it's a win to be in that final sometimes you know you're not going to get a guy but you want to be in that final because it says something to maybe a buddy of his or somebody else that's going to flip-flop, well, I mean, I really, you know, I, I admire his play. He really wanted to go to Georgia, or he really wanted to go to Alabama. He went here instead. It gives some kids some ownership, and sometimes you just got to – you got to lose some time to win, and that's really only in recruiting. Uh, a good example of that, too, uh, D- Demetrius Robertson, when he left to go to Cal, Kirby kept a great relationship with him. Sure. And, you know, the kid made a decision, and – and then when when you know, times changed and he decided he wanted to come home, it was it was an easy pick for. Him. Well, and you see what happened with Paul Johnson down in Atlanta when he you know if a kid did that, he was going to forget you. You're never coming here. I don't want to talk to you. And burning bridges. That's it a lot it of doesn't help bridges. in this league. It doesn't help being competitive because these are 17 and 18 year old young men that are making the biggest damn decision of their life, and sometimes it's not right, and and they want to do a do over. Um. Having those doors still open for you kind of creates those opportunities sometimes. All right, KB, as we kind of wind things down here at the tailgate, again, I want to thank them so much for hosting us here tonight, and hopefully we'll be back very, very soon. everybody to come in. Our goal from uh, foot and mouth is to have our uh, hundreds of thousands of uh, fans (laughs) that listen each week come in here and actually purchase everything in the store this weekend. Actually sell it out. John Lastinger autographs. Well, yes, that was funny. John sent us a uh, a picture. It said, um, love the place. Did a signing there two years ago. And it was right when he got there. And he took a picture. He goes, just look at the crowd. And there was nobody in the picture. Oh, so it was, it was pretty, pretty funny. For love our band, Dark Cloud, which I, I do like. It, it, and, of course, I was one of John's biggest fans ever. That when it comes to who the most pessimistic Georgia fan is out of our group, that, that we're neck and neck. I consider that a great no, you're honor. you're way ahead of him. As far as being more pessimistic or less? Which one is more just depressing, talking about things that are going to happen? So am I more depressing or is John? You are. Well, I'm glad to at least be in the conversation, but I'll, I'll, I'll take that victory. I, you know, I, I try to work with you every week, don't I? Yeah, it's, it's not working out. See? It, there's also – John would have said, yeah, it's kind of working out. In the in the changing room there, there's also a picture of the 85 tennis team. So, uh, you talk about legends here. Coach McGill, Coach Diaz. You got Trey Carter, Philip Johnson, Dean Fry, Alan Miller, gorgeous George Mazekti, and Michael Pernfors. So, the 85 national champs. You can't see – the only other place you can see those guys collectively on a wall is down at the Athens Police Department. Or – here at Harry Bissett's back in the day. No <laughs> back in the day. About it. Back oh in the day. Oh, my gosh. That's w- an awesome picture. Yeah, yeah, it really is. Coach Dooley's going to be here two, 
10.30 to 2.30 this weekend. 12.30. 10.30 Come to 12.30. by, get one of his uh, uh, limited edition T-shirt. T-shirts that are very nice. I might steal one tonight. And as we've said, he has passed both Hemingway and Dickens for most books authored ever, really all time. It really has been. It's uh, it, It's been a, a pretty cool year. So we got A&M, and then we've got the, the Christmas the tree game. The enemy. And you know then, they're pulling one of their tricky things. Then we've got the SEC championship. You know the enemy. They're playing on Thursday night. To buy That's just some typical trickery from the enemy there. So no, no, no. The reason why they're doing it is they couldn't find a channel to carry them on Saturday. I got you. But, yeah, but the, uh, the, the enemy got tech. Yeah, so here, let's talk about real – before we close this out, let's go down. What's your top four uh, for the week? LSU one, Ohio State two, Clemson three, Georgia four. Okay. I'm going with – I'm flipping back over and I'm going to uh, Ohio State one. Okay. LSU two. Okay. Georgia three. Okay. Clemson four. Tell you what, Clemson since and they I'm doing uh, that by schedule. No, I hear defensive you. play on LSU. Gotcha. Now I, I will say this though, Clemson since that scare against North Carolina, they have been mauling yeah, teams. But if and the reason I'm doing this, I'm trying to put up a, a a big you know wall like I always do. If strength of schedule is really as important as they say, I think Georgia's strength of schedule even bumps that one loss out. They've one of only two teams that have beat three ranked teams in the top 20. Mm-hmm. Last one on the road, nobody. They were all in the top 12. Thought they were going to win. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, but it's – Pretty impressive. Uh, I, I still say if Georgia wins these next two, if the if the dogs beat A&M and Tech, I think the best thing that happened to this team was the weather conditions and that Georgia had to really fight to get that win over Kentucky. I think if it's a pristine night and Georgia goes out and wins 31-3, to three, oh, everything's okay, we just had a bad day. That game, uh, it was it was rough. Georgia really had to fight for it, and I think going through that a week after a loss was the best thing that happened to this team. Yeah, I did too. I think they did a great job. I just think that if this committee somehow can start positioning the two SEC teams at two and three or one and four, they do not want to position two SEC teams that possibly could play each other for a national championship. They're going to want them to go down in the semifinals, and they want some other new blood in there. That's why I just think the rankings are going to see a lot of flip-flops, and you're going to see a lot of – anyway, people are going to get eliminated anyway because of the games that are coming. Georgia LSU, Ohio State, Penn State, Ohio State, um, Michigan. Yeah, they got um, Ohio State, Penn State, and Ohio State, Michigan the next yeah, two weeks. Yeah, Clemson's got South Carolina. Whoever knows in that game. I mean, right now yeah, on paper, I'd mind. say Clemson will you know beat them by 40, right. but that's not the way that game works, just like the game that we have after this week. Kind of crazy things happen in those straight rivalry games. Just hope that the dogs win and hope that the dogs win on Saturday against the Texas A&M Fight Nagy. Well, they will because everybody there is going to be in a new, nice Georgia gear from Tailgate Athens. So, please, we really appreciate them having us here tonight. We uh, look forward to maybe coming back sometime soon and maybe getting out and seeing some other great businesses in the loveliest town on earth. Athens, GA. Amen to that. America's greatest college town. We just got to keep Aubrey out of the bathroom. That'll do it for us. We'll see you next week. Thanks to Tailgate. Thanks so much for listening to Foot and Mouth. Go doggies. Woof, woof.